The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. There's no crying in baseball! No crying! And this game's underway. Into the wind of it is first offering. Just a bit outside. Here's a drive in a deep left field by Castellanos. It will be a home run. Oh, my God. God. Deep to right field. Way up there. High, oh, high. And look who's coming up. You talk about a roll of the dice. This is it. Here's the payoff pitch. Happy Monday. Welcome into the show. This is Payoff Pitch. We are Action Network's daily Major League Baseball betting podcast. We are presented by BetMGM. Hope you had a great holiday weekend. Brendan Glasheen here with Sean Zarillo and BJ Cunningham. 14-game Monday slate. Payoff pitch is coming your way Mondays, Tuesdays, and Fridays during the baseball season. So uh, Monday is the new day for this year. So if you're surprised, surprise. Monday show throughout the course of the season. Please rate, review, and subscribe. You can check out Sean Zarillo's article up on action network actionnetwork.com opening pitch he'll have that daily column uh throughout the season zarillo you're not completely in love with this slate today so to identify a, a best bet uh you, you you might be reaching a bit but uh, I, i'm sensing a theme with underdogs and you've got one in one of your best bets today just go out there and try to have fun you know you know having fun is the name of the game hey you trying to make an ass of me get on that bag <laughs> Yeah, team who stands out to me in both halves is the Red Sox. I figured the Rays would start to become a bit overvalued after their 9-0 start. It has been historic. They've been an average of a minus 250 favorite in each game, but they have beaten each team or won each game by four runs. So dominance from the Rays thus far. This is the first real team that they have played, though. The first team that they're expected to play that's going to win over 70 games this season. And I think the Red Sox are a bit undervalued. I like them here on the first five line to plus 130. The full game line to plus or at, at plus 130, full game line at plus 140. You can bet those down to plus 124 and plus 132, respectively. Those would be my price targets. Ray's going to throw out Jalen Beeks, then probably turn to their bullpen rather quickly. They do have a bullpen advantage over the Red Sox. The Red Sox are the better offensive team. And I think the price is just a bit blown out here. Nick Pavetta also underrated generally, in my opinion, compared to the betting market tends to have better expected indicators than he did his ERA last year. So the Red Sox on the money line in both halves, my favorite bet for today. I'm also going with the under eight and a half in this matchup as well, though. Projected this total 
closer to 8.1. And 8.5, just a very high total for Tropicana Field. You run the numbers through Action Labs since 2005. Games that have closed with a total of 8.5 or higher at the Trop have gone under at a 54% clip. 54.5%, a 5%, 5 5.5% ROI betting the under blindly in all games with a total of eight and a half or higher at the trot. We've seen the ball juice this year. I understand the totals have gone up across the league. I would have projected this total closer to seven and a half last year at the trot. So this year I have it at 8.1. Still think he can go under, under eight and a half to minus one Oh five. Top two scoring teams in the American league, the Rays and Red Sox. Nate, Neither of them, I don't know, Tampa I think is pretty good. I'm not sure how good Boston is, but uh, neither team has played anyone all that good. Uh, Detroit, Washington, Oakland for Tampa, and then for Boston, Baltimore, Pittsburgh, and Detroit. Three-game sweep uh, for the Red Sox over the Tigers. What, you want a quick minute, BJ, on, on the Red Sox since Cirillo sort of put the ball on the tee for you? Yeah, no, it's I, I agree, Cirillo. It's, uh, the market's getting a little bit high here uh, on the Rays after, like Sean said, that historic start. Like you said, Nick Pavetta is expected metrics are a little bit better. Um, and the Red Sox offense looked fine in Detroit. They were hitting the ball pretty well. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I have the Red Sox projected around, you know, plus one at uh, plus 122. So, you know, anything plus 136 or better is, is good enough for me to bet them here. I just want to comment though, Brandon, really quickly. I did like the Rays as a future bet, World Series bet before the season. I like them even more now. I know their odds have probably shrunk just a little bit after this hot start. Actually, they've shrunk quite dramatically. They were plus 2,500 to start the season. Now they're plus 1,300. Wow. The Rays do scare me, though, from an ALE's perspective, World Series perspective, because they're going to get better throughout the season. They have prospects in AAA, Kyle Manzardo, Curtis Mead coming up, Taj Bradley to add to their rotation, Tyler Glasnow coming back. So the Rays are going to be very dangerous come playoff time. I know there's this hot start that we're trying to fade, basically, but their World Series odds have halved, and you missed out on the value. We all did, unless you bet it at 25-1 to 1 before the season. So would not fire into their World Series odds now, but... I think the market realizes not only this team is decent right now, but going to get better as the season goes. All right. Good note. That's, that is notable. Nine games in to have your world series. have yep. already. It's insane. You don't just, you don't, you don't agree with the market. I mean, we're nine games into the season. It's just a classic overreaction. I think, and this is a good point as we kind of get along here is like, I don't know about you, Sean, but like I haven't really even looked at like what teams have been doing through the first nine games overall offensively because it's just such a small sample size to actually base anything off of. It's like, yeah, maybe a couple percentage points comparatively to what the projection was to begin the season. But other than that, it's just we're nine or ten games into the season. So it's a good lesson for people not to overreact just because, you know, the Rays had a hot start against two bad teams. That said, the Cardinals, we liked it minus money coming into the year. At least I did. The Brewers now are minus 145 to win the NL Central. The Cardinals are plus 145 sitting four games back. So we're very short distance into the season. I agree. They have had some head-to-head games, but if you like the Cardinals at minus money coming into the year, I don't see why you wouldn't bet them at plus 145 now. And this is maybe something we have to take a better look at coming into these seasons is the early schedules for teams like these. Maybe we'll get a jump on team like Tampa betting their AL East odds, or we'll hold off on betting a team like the Yankees and their AL East odds until a week into the season where we may get a better number. So just something I'm thinking about for future seasons, maybe taking a closer look at that early schedule so we can better take advantage of the odds board. All right, BJ, to stick with Zarillo's theme for best bet, there's a good matchup tonight in mm-hmm. New York at 
City Field, Darvish v. Scherzer, and you're going to take the dogs here in the Padres. Yeah, I I actually do like uh, the Padres here and, and Darvish. I have the Mets projected at minus 108, so Padres at plus 120 or better is, is good enough for me to play them. You know, Scherzer's had a couple rough outings to begin the season. You know, he gave up three runs against the Marlins, five uh, and eight hits against the Brewers. And if you look at his numbers, his velocity is down across the board. Like, and this is something, it's just something that happens when you get into your late thirties. Uh, I mean, his fastball's down from 94 to 93 sliders down from 85 to 84. You know, last season he was a 2.87 XERA pitcher. And, you know, it, again, like I just mentioned, it's not to overreact maybe to two starts, but you know, from where he was last season to what he's been through his first two starts, it's probably somewhere in the middle. Right. So, now he's taking on Darvish, who was okay in his first outing. He wasn't great. Three run, three runs, three hits, one run uh, in five innings. But he did walk four guys, which is a tad concerning. Uh, for three straight years now, Darvish has been under a 3.5 XERA. Last season was the, was the first time his K per nine rate was under 10. So, uh, you know, he's not that, that big-time strikeout pitcher like we've seen in the past. But he did lower his walk per nine rate to 1.7, which is his best mark since 2020 when he had that amazing season with the Cubs. His stuff plus rating is 114, which is seventh, which was seventh best in, among qualified starting pitchers last season. His pitching plus metric was 105. That was 13th best among qualified starting pitchers. So he's still up there as, you know, one of the uh, better starting pitchers in Major League Baseball. And, you know, the Mets bullpen last season was really, really good. They had Edwin Diaz, who was probably the best reliever in major league baseball. Well, now he's not there and the Mets have somewhat struggled to begin the season. Uh, but you know, if you look through a lot of the metrics from last season, the Padres in the match specifically on stuff plus and pitching plus they were about even. So losing Diaz, I don't really give the Mets a huge bump in, in terms of a bullpen and the Mets offense was really good against right-handed pitching last season. Uh, but from a pure talent perspective, you know, you have to give the Padres uh, a slight edge there. So uh, I don't, uh, you know, I don't really see the Mets as being this significant a favorite. So uh, I like the Padres uh, plus 122. Max Scherzer have a legitimate home run problem that we need we'll to see. It's, it's, it's two, it's two games. Um, uh, I, I'm not so sure if he has that, but he's facing a, a very home run uh, heavy lineup tonight. So we'll see. Okay, on to finding out if we are going to fade the public. The public likes you. That's the only reason that this might fly. How are we going to handle the public? 14-game slate on this Monday. Two games that jumped out to us in terms of the percentage of bets, percentage of dollars. 92% of bets, 81% of the money coming in on Baltimore to take down Oakland. So the A's are being faded. And then a big chunk of cash coming in on the Mariners to take down the Cubs. And this series is in Chicago. Mariners are uh, on the road for this particular matchup. Are we fading the public, Sean Zarillo? No. From these two games, I don't have any value bets, any bets that I've placed already. I have a slight lean to the under Wrigley Field, projected that total at 8.3, currently sitting 8.5 plus money. If it moves up to 9, I would consider betting an under between the Mariners and Cubs. Otherwise, I'm probably going to pass, and the Mariners' bullpen might be a bit banged up today after an extra innings game yesterday. They also had to put Munoz on the IL. So the Mariners' bullpen just trending towards being a bit roughed up, why I'm not as inclined to bet the over, or the under, I should say, unless it moves to nine. BJ Orioles getting a bunch of cash there at home, and then the Mariners as a road favorite in Chicago. Any interest in either uh, Oakland or... The Cubs. 
No, I'm, I'm a shot. I have no interest in playing either of these teams. You know, it's funny. Uh, it, and it's something me and Shaf talk about is not putting bias into your projections or when you're going through these lines, when I was going through the lines, I made the mistake of going through the lines first before looking at my projections last night. I saw the price on the A's uh, and with, you know, Kyle Gibson being minus 175, I about fainted. I was, I was like, you gotta be kidding me. There's no way that the A's should be this high. And then I ran my projections and I had the Orioles around minus 150. So I said, okay, I have to pass. I'm wrong. JP Sears is not that, it's apparently that bad. And it's just, it's a good lesson of, you know, not overreacting to lines. Cause I, you know, as bad as the A's have been to start the season, the yeah. prices on them are are getting pretty insane. I mean, what they close at plus two seventy five yesterday against the Rays. Yeah. I mean, that's 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 insane. Um, they're not that bad. Um, so we'll see. Uh, but no, and then as for the Mariners, you know, I have them projected at minus one forty eight, uh, and I just have no interest in in backing Drew Smiley. Okay, very good. Yeah, and they've been they're at plus one fifty today. The A's. Um, yep. So. That's a pass. Okay. But it seems like, you know, it seems like the lines just keep getting slammed. And it will. And it will. It's closer and, to first and... pitch. So maybe the A's get up there, but I'd be patient. And if you're looking to bet them, I think on a daily basis, you can probably look to bet them closer to first pitch. I, I doubt there's going to be such significant money coming on their side where it's going to plummet their line. So, All right. Oakland has dropped four in a row, two and seven in the early part of the year. Baseball betting season is here, so get in on the action with the king of sportsbooks. Sign up with BetMGM using bonus code ACTION and get up to $1,000 paid back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Michigan, Mississippi, Nevada, New Jersey, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Puerto Rico, Tennessee, Virginia, Washington, D.C., West Virginia, Wyoming, or Ontario only. Only must be 21 or older to wager, 19 or older in Ontario, new customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from ensuance. Excludes Michigan, disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, D.C., Kansas, Louisiana, Nevada, Wyoming, or Virginia. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan, 1-800-GAMBLER in Indiana, Maryland, New Jersey, or West Virginia, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York, call or text Tennessee red line at 800-889-9789 or call 1-888-777-9696 in Mississippi. In Ontario, if you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone close to you, please contact Connects Ontario at 1-866-531-2600 to speak to an advisor free of charge. Sports betting is void in Georgia, Hawaii, and Utah, and other states where prohibited. Promotional offers not available in Nevada and New York. Again, I sensed I sensed a theme before we started recording our show today. Um, we've already played a few underdogs, except we're not fading the public, so we're not going to go down, down that road. But Zerillo, underdog that you like on the slate today. Where's my dog? Uh-huh. Where's my dog? Where's my dog? Yeah, the New York Yankees plus 135 on the road against the Cleveland Guardians, who, as I mentioned, went to extra innings yesterday with the Mariners and had to use a great deal of their bullpen. They should have Emmanuel Classe, James Karinchak, healthy today for another inning, but both did pitch yesterday. Um, Shane Bieber, pitcher I bet against a lot at the start of last season, 
Mm-hmm. We bet on him in 2020 to win the AL Cy Young. He has never approached that level again, and he's probably never going to approach that level again. He faced an all-AL Central-only schedule in that season. It was a short sample. He had a 262 expected ERA, and his fastball velocity has plummeted since that year. It's down three miles an hour since his 2020 campaign. So he was facing an AL Central-only lineup, using sticky stuff on the baseball, and throwing the ball three miles an hour harder than he is now. Can still be an extremely effective pitcher, but his expected ERA number has been around 3.7, 3.5 for the past couple of years. That said, he continues to outpitch it by at least half a run every year. And he carries the 305 batting average on balls in place. So you can't say it's his defense saving him. He has a strand rate a bit higher than league average, but it's not dramatic. It's three percentage points. So Shane Bieber is doing something to break models. He's he's outpitching underlying metrics every season. And there are guys who underperform these metrics every season. There are guys who overperform compared to these metrics every season. If you've been around long enough, you probably had Ricky Nolasco on some of your fantasy teams. When advanced metrics were first becoming a bigger thing in baseball, Ricky Nolasco was a metrics darling. And he underperformed his ERA every single season. He broke the model. He just, for whatever reason, underperformed. Shane Bieber has gone the other direction. So even factoring Bieber on a more optimistic end of his projections... I still like the Yankees here, plus 135 or better. The Guardians bullpen being more down, the Yankees having a better offense, and also the Yankees are one of the rare teams who can actually match Cleveland in terms of defensive quality. The Yankees were the best defensive team in baseball last season. They can also run the bases a little bit too. They have more speed than you think they would considering the power hitters in their lineup. So the Yankees at plus 135 or better, my favorite underdog for today. I also have a lean to the under 7.5 just because of the wind and weather. In Cleveland, that game should have gone under yesterday. It has the worst hitting weather for any game on the board today. So the under 7.5 to minus 113, also a bet for me, but I prefer the Yankees on the money line. And they have, end up adding more to the Yankees' side as well. I just I, I like the angle with them today against Beaver. Putting the ball in play with their power, it seems like a poor batcher for him. They're down to plus 125 at BetMGM. Zerillo, I'm getting the I'm getting a feeling here that Shane Bieber's a pain in the ass to fade, is what you're trying to tell he me. He is, and we we bet against him, I said, a lot at the beginning of last year. I kind of came back around on him towards the end of the season because his yep. velocity picked up. You could see in my article his velocity chart from last season. He was down around 91 miles an hour, which is where he's been in his first two starts this year. He was down around there at the beginning of last year. As the summer went along. He came back up closer to 92. So throughout the season, as the season extends, I expect Bieber's velocity to get back up there. But right now, if he's sitting around 91, he's very vulnerable. All right, very good. Good stuff. Looking at the chart right now, you can check that out. Opening pitch, Sean Zarillo's daily column, daily write-up for the baseball slate at Action Network. VJ Cunningham, underdog that jumped out to you when you looked at the slate. I like the Reds at plus 165 at BetMGM. You know, Graham Ashcraft last season, he drastic, not I wouldn't say drastic, but he did underperform. Uh, his ERA was at 4.89, but his expected ERA was 4.02. XFIP of 4.09, walk per nine rate about 2.5. Just a perfectly good average major league starting pitcher. He doesn't have a high strikeout rate because two of his main three pitches are a cutter and a sinker. 
but he comes at you with a lot of velocity on both of those pitches. They're averaging over 97 miles per hour. He goes to that cutter 50% of the time. That's a pitch the Braves really struggled with last season against right-handed cutters. They had a minus 26 run value and a 220 expected batting average. He's facing Bryce Elder, who pitched 54 innings in 2022 per fan graphs. He's the Braves' seventh-rated uh, prospect, but he drastically performed in those nine starts. He had an ERA of 3.16, but his expected ERA was at 4.25. His first start of the season, he pitched six scoreless innings, but his expected ERA from that start was 5.7. So. I don't give us the the Braves a significant starting pitching edge right here. Now they get a bullpen and a an offensive edge, but I don't think it's enough to get to uh, the price that they're currently offering on the Braves. Like I have the Braves projected at minus one forty two, so uh, I like the Reds at plus one sixty five. Despite even though Atlanta offensively is, they feel it feels like they'll come right back around after a, a tough weekend. Yeah, I mean, they. Were, I mean, Sunday night baseball. That was a that was a blowout. Uh, but yeah, no, they'll they'll eventually come around again. Another a good lesson of maybe not overreacting to what the Braves have done to begin the season. Okay, final bets on this Monday before we go, and I have a one more for the road. Some more underdogs. So plus money galore. Zarillo, you've got two more for us. Yeah, I believe BJ and I both like the Pirates today. Uh, we both bet them at plus 168. Not sure where the line is moved to. I like them down to plus 153, though, so there is plenty of room given where I bet them. Lost O'Neill Cruz potentially for the season yesterday, which is devastating because he looks like he had matured. They're off to a 6-3 and three start. They were a really fun team to watch, especially with him in there. The Astros are 4-6, and six, and coming in with a depleted lineup, the bottom of their lineup not nearly as scary as it's been. We haven't talked about the Dodgers in a bit, but the Dodgers not nearly as scary as they've been in a while either this year. So Astros and Dodgers, the, you know, the pinnacle of the National League and American League, maybe finally changing hands this year. We'll see. But I I have a feeling that those teams are getting unseated as they clear number ones in their respective leagues this year. Um, Just regarding the Pirates-Astros matchup, though, for one, the Pirates project better against lefties than they do righties for me, so they should have a splits advantage. Some offensive weather here probably helps the Astros more than it helps the Pirates because Framber Valdez does not allow home runs. He has a career 66% ground ball rate and allows, I believe, fewer home runs than any other starting pitcher, 0.7 per nine innings. So Valdez excellent in keeping the ball in the park, but I do like Renzi Contreras as a pitcher, three above average pitches. I think he is a very high-level prospect. Said some very optimistic things about him last season. That said, with the offensive weather, I do like the over eight here, up to minus 112. Uh, projected this total closer to 8.6. So I think we see more offense than the market expects. PNC Park actually has a slight lean as a hitter's park in general. But yeah, Pirates in the over in Pirates versus Astros. And then finally, a bet that I added today, shortly before we jumped on the Phillies at plus 110. Um, we've alluded to it, but I don't know if we've outright said it. There's a gentleman named Barry horse who has gotten back involved publicly with betting this year, um, and is posting his bets and he is influencing the market. Cause when he posts bets, a lot of people tell him and the Phillies, when I woke up, I believe were even money. And, uh, 30 minutes later, after he had posted his bets, they were plus plus one ten. So you will see him throughout the year influencing the market and we will end up either missing out on potential value as a result for a game we otherwise would have bet or 
end up having to bet a game that we were previously off of because the market moves so dramatically that we have to buy back at a certain price. And I'm very price sensitive. I don't care if there's professional bettors out there betting, you know, 10 times the amount of money on a game as I am, but I'm going to stick to my price targets. And if something moves to the point where a team who I had as a 52% favorite is now bettable as a 50% implied probability, I'm going to take that. If it was 52% previously and now it's, you know, it was uh, minus 110 previously and now it's moved to even money, I'm going to bet that edge every time. So happy to let others influence the market. I'll adjust. I'll react based off of where the numbers move. Don't care what they're doing or where they're firing. Just going to react the numbers. Sandy Alcantara coming off a complete game shutout as well when we last discussed him on the podcast. So yes. maybe he'll, uh, maybe the drop off from Sandy that we hoped for last week will come. Yeah, still think, I still think at some point when a team is able to put multiple balls in play against him with the Marlins defense without the shift, that it's really going to hurt him because Sandy gives up a lot of ground balls. Ground balls have a higher batting average than fly balls. So there will be a start where a team gets a bunch of string luck string some singles and get together against him. I mentioned my concerns about Sandy a start like that certainly alleviates some of them, but yeah, we'll continue to wait and see. Had just five strikeouts, 10 ground ball outs in that start. I guess yeah, that's, that, that's not out of the, you know, out of the ordinary for him. It's, it's the walks and strikeouts that I want to see when his walks were climbing above his strikeouts for a few starts in a row. That's usually a sign that something is wrong with the pitcher. Five starts for him over a full game where he gets a bunch of ground balls. Not as concerning, but we'll continue to watch him because, you know, once those red flags come up, it takes a lot to put them away again. All right. Very good. We'll watch uh, Sandy today. But again, Phillies plus money. Yeah. Uh, against the against the Marlins today at home. And I think Strom looked awesome in his first start. I think I think Strom is a great signing by the Phillies and might have been a happy accident that he's going to end up in their rotation now. Right. Right, he was brought in to be a bullpen guy, and he pitched out of the bullpen on opening day, right, or early in the season. And they brought. I believe they he might have had an inning, yes, and then he went four innings in his last start. Was extremely effective. We cashed on him as an underdog. Uh, he basically gave up nothing. So, yeah, I'm I'm interested to see uh, if they continue to let him stick in the rotation because I mean he was dominant against the Yankees. We'll see how he does today. One team we have yet to discuss. BJ wants to jump in and discuss the Chicago White Sox is one of his. Yeah, I mean, we got a we got a Monday day game here at 210 uh, Eastern time. Uh, I think the price here is a little too low on Dylan Cease. I mean, this was a Cy Young candidate last year, 2-7 XERA. He's going against Kenta Maeda, who didn't pitch last season. And it's all just dependent on what you think of Kenta Maeda. I mean, throughout his entire career, he's been around a, a 3 3 5 XRA type pitcher. He's projected to be about a 3 6, somewhere in there. And this is also another important point where it's like Sean Zarillo from everybody hated the White Sox coming into the season, bet their win total under. And I think the market has gone a little bit too far on the White Sox and have said, okay, this team is bad. Dylan Cease is not as bad as being essentially even money on the road or close to even money now on the road against the twins. So, I mean, I have him, you know, project, I have that line projected at minus minus one twenty five for him yep. full game. So, uh, you know, minus minus one ten or better is good enough for me to take the white Sox and also first five as well. Yeah. I have white Sox first five at minus minus one twenty six. I like that to minus minus one sixteen. I mean, you mentioned it, uh, Cease is in the ACE tier. Maeda is a number three starter. Maeda also left his last start. With arm fatigue, he was great against the Marlins, but he left early with arm fatigue. And now he's starting six days later. I thought he was going to go on the IL. So 
the fact that he's starting after experiencing arm fatigue, massive red flag. I, I legitimately thought he was going to go straight on the IL after that start. It was his first start since 2021 coming off injury. Red flag for you? Absolutely red flag. I mean, especially he's getting up there in age. Like he's not, he's not 25, 26 years old. What is he like 34 now or somewhere around there? Yeah. Uh, 34. Yeah. 34. Oh, that was a straight guess. Good. Look at me. Um, yeah. I mean, when you're getting up there in age, like arm fatigue and all these injuries, they have a much more drastic effect than they would if you're 25. So yeah, I mean, it's a huge red flag. I mean, and they, like Sean mentioned, I mean, Cease is an absolute Cy Young candidate, absolute ace. So yeah, I mean, it sucks because it's like now we took the White Sox under and now I find, find myself betting on them like almost every other day. So, but uh, yeah, no, I think that, yeah, I like the value of the White Sox. Just to reiterate the, you know, similar stuff we said about Bieber, Maeda career best season, finished second in AL Cy Young voting during the pandemic shortened campaign where he faced an AL Central only schedule, 2.7 expected ERA in 11 starts and had a short sample of starts. So hit his career peak, finished second in Cy Young voting. I think people got this higher opinion of him and he did improve his skills a little bit, but then got injured. It's difficult to project him ever getting to their career peak again. You would put him closer to his career averages, which is right. 3.7. And he's like, yeah, he's a stable, like 3.5, 3.7 type of pitcher. If you look through everything, like he's never been over a four XERA. Like he's yeah. a good pitcher. He's just not in this Cy Young elite type category like Dylan C says. So just, I just want people to keep that in mind. That 2020 season, those pitchers who were in the central division, I believe more teams made the playoffs out of the central than any other division and in both leagues. And they did not have a single team advance past that initial playoff round. So the central was abysmal that season. A bunch of teams got in because they were playing 500 baseball over 60 games. And all of the pitchers seemingly had overinflated lines because those offenses were so bad. Those teams scored like no runs in the playoffs too, in addition to basically getting swept out of there. So just keep that in mind. Anytime you look back at 2020, especially for those pitchers, they were facing a divisional schedule and the central pitchers in particular had it really easy. What's funny is Dylan Cease was absolute garbage during that season as well. <laughs> Waited a year to break out. And then he broke out. Yeah. And I was just, Kenta Maeda uh, said after that start, he was feeling a bit fatigued, but otherwise feeling fine. Isn't that the whole point? Like feeling fatigued after you're it was weird. The way they brought him out was weird with the trainer and then the way they were checking on him in the dugout. I, I legitimately thought he re-injured his arm. I didn't have the volume on, but I thought it was, oh no, Kenta just re-injured his arm and is going to have to get TJ again. So, oh geez. yeah, it's it just was a bad look optically. Uh, and I, you know, I haven't adjusted my projection or anything. I'm still using the same projection I had for him in that last game. So I didn't make any adjustment, but the the risk is certainly higher on that side and Cease is just the far better pitcher. Okay. Good stuff. All right, fellas. For a slate that I, we let off thinking, oh, we don't love the slate today. A lot of, <laughs> lot of good stuff. That does, I guess that doesn't echo that if you love it. You, you, you can know about it, but not love it. Strong uh, opinions weekly held, Brennan. There you go. Sean Zarello, BJ Cunningham. Find them both in the Action Network app. Zarello's got his write-up opening pitch. Available, breaks down the slate, provides the bets as well uh, at actionnetwork.com, Action Network app. Thanks for tuning in. We're here Monday, Tuesday, and Friday during the season. Rate, review, subscribe, and download the Action Network app. Thanks for tuning in to Payoff Pitch, Action Network's MLB betting podcast presented by BetMGM. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Look at this crowd on its feet. What a tribute. No one wants to leave. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. 
If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.